Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, you are now tuned into anything potable. The most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Like Antoine when he shimmied after shots. Welcome to... Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am your host, Sam Jam Packard, professional sports fan. And I am joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend, Celtics beat reporter from The Athletic, Jay King, ladies and gentlemen. And Jay, it turns out a championship was not potable this year as the Celtics fall four games to two. It, it was the- potable. It was potable. <laughs> they, they just didn't... Uh... Didn't follow through on it. I'm not sure how potable it was after they that were up game. Five in the fourth quarter of a game to go up three one. It was pretty potable. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm saying after that though. After that, they really did not put up much of a fight. They lose three in a row. They f- uh, falter in that fourth quarter of game four, and then only play one quarter of basketball in game five, and then game six, they got up to an early lead. That was a nice uh, start. And then uh, I think about eight minutes left in the first quarter, they subbed out Robert Williams, brought in Derek White, and uh, it was not good from there. Uh, Poor Derek this, White, man. He was not Poor good. Poor Derek White. Because he, he had some really great games throughout the playoffs, including in game one of the finals. And... The last couple of games, he just didn't have it. Game six, it was just rough, man. Uh, like, uh, some of the finishes he tried, just a little too ambitious. That last three he took, like, didn't even come close to touching rim. And you could see, you could see like Celtics assistants hopping up and going over to talk to Ime Udoka after that. And I imagine it was like, yo, get this I know, guy. I know out Marcus here. is in foul trouble. I know Tatum's in foul trouble, but we just we can't we can't afford to leave this guy on the court right now. So I mean, just just a tough end to his season. Tough, tough end to his season, man. Ugh, I mean, it, it was guy. a tough end for uh, pretty much everyone on the Celtics, I would say, other than Jalen Brown, who's the really one who kind of showed up for this game six. But you could really see when White was on the court just how much easier it was for the Warriors to play defense. He just became someone who they could immediately kind of just stash Steph Curry on. I thought the Celtics, like, I thought it was an interesting strategy to try to post up Marcus Smart on Curry early. And then the end of the first quarter, the Warriors go on an 11-0 run. And then just a disastrous start to the second quarter 
where I think it was a offensive rebound, Jordan Poole three, then Derek White had one of his bad attempts, and they uh, Wiggins got an easy uh, bucket. Timeout, Ime. All right, we 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 may have taken a false start out of this quarter. Let's not do that again. And then literally the exact same scenario just happens again, uh, where there's another offensive rebound and another Jordan Poole three, and then Jalen had a turnover, and then it was another easy bucket in transition. And as soon as you give up a 21-0 run in the finals. It's going to be tough to win that basketball game. Yeah, and even in that run, I thought like th- there were a few times the Celtics just got unlucky. Like the Jordan Poole banked three. There were a couple like long rebounds that the Warriors got, and then Jordan Poole was just wide open afterward for three. And so obviously the turnovers and everything, just despicable. The offensive execution – as everybody said after the game, that's that's where they need to improve. That's where they need to grow. That's where they need to take the next step to to match a team like Golden State, which just has purpose on every possession. Um, but yeah, that was that was stunning. Twenty one nothing at in Boston. It was and it was a second game in a row. In the NBA Finals, the Celtics gave up a 10-0 run to the Warriors while Steph Curry was on the bench. Yeah, not, like, how, not how, ideal. How do you forgive yourself for that? How do you forgive yourself for that? You can't. Well, you, the, those the, are the things. Those are the things that you go back after the season, and you look at that, and you're like, if we had just fucking played them even when Curry was out, when Curry was out, when the best player in the series by far, by millions of miles, was out. And for whatever reason, the Celtics just could not, could not put a string of solid offensive possessions together. I mean, it looked like they didn't forgive themselves for those moments because they just like followed up bad basketball with even worse basketball, with just more and more turnovers. Um and then it's just Steph is the amount of energy they expend just trying to defend him. It looks absolutely exhausting out there. And I don't know if that's necessarily an excuse for how poorly they played on the offensive end, but they just like for how good Steph was and how good the Warriors offense is. They just, the Celtics, I thought like did a pretty solid job on defense it just must be absolutely exhausting and they just didn't have enough, I guess, fight in them to kind of do, the, do everything they needed to do on defense and then uh, have a competent offense. And yeah, the turnovers were killer. And frankly, the fact that Jason Tatum just didn't show up uh, was really a, a backbreaker for the Celtics because I feel like the formula for them heading into this playoff run and, and the kind of the formula that worked for them in the first three series where we're going to have an elite defense. And then during crunch time, we're going to have Jason Tatum be an elite offensive player. And Jason Tatum was absolutely not an elite offensive player in the final two games. And, and I guess the, the fourth quarter of game four. Oh, yeah. I mean, he shot 36% for the entire series. And that was while running hot from the three point arc. So, the 
the two point attempts, and some of them were just just bad. Like the the transition opportunity when he kind of drove at Draymond and did some little spin lefty bullshit flip. Like, what are you doing, man? You you have to be better than that. You have to get a shot that's better than that. You have to be stronger than that. And I do think it's possible, maybe even probable, that the the entirety of the run, the weight of playing two seven-game series in a row against really, really good defenses caught up to Tatum because he was able to solve great defenses in the previous two series and eventually like figure out how to attack them. And he just never got to that against the Warriors. I, I think you go back to a lot of young players and their first time in the finals, it's it can be really rough. And I think I think LeBron James maybe had two two scenarios like that. Like in two thousand seven when he was against the Spurs, he was totally overmatched. That shouldn't even count against him. Like he was dragging Sasha Pavovich, I think, to the finals against Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, and Mino Ginobili. Like good fucking luck. But 2011 against the Mavericks, it was the same thing where they just had a super smart team, a super smart defense, and and he was just kind of just kind of baffled, and and I think that drove him to figure out different parts of his game, and it drove him to find answers for for what the Mavericks tried to do to him. And I'm not comparing Tatum to LeBron James because LeBron James is singular in the history of basketball. He, he's probably the smartest player who ever lived. Um, and if not, extremely close to that. But, like, he needs to learn from this series what happened this series, why he wasn't able to get the right attempts closer to the rim, why he was so prone to turnovers. And, and I think, like... You should also take a step back and realize, like, this is a guy who was held up for selfish. Literally, like, an anonymous executive told Tim Bontemps that Tatum was selfish. And he just averaged seven assists per game in the finals. And and was the, the driving force of the Celtics offense. Like, for better and worse, he was he was the guy that made them run. And I think... He made incredible strides as a decision maker, all of that. But, you know, he still has clearly a long way to go in just recognizing how the best defenses and the Warriors have an incredible defense. Like, I left that series with such an appreciation for how smart they are, how committed they are, how tough they are, how disruptive Draymond Green is. That dude was amazing he caught heat for his offensive stuff earlier in the series but defensively he just busted up so much of what the celtics wanted to do and and tatum like he needs to grow from that i I felt felt like you know he's like mr cool nothing ever ever gets him off stride and in that that press conference like he was just devastated 
you could tell like that was just a brutal, brutal blow to him. Um, and now, now it, he needs to use it to kind of shape how he attacks this off season. And, you know, there are a lot of origin stories, I guess, in the NBA of, of superstars where you go through something like that and you come out the other side where you just kind of learn how to figure it out. Yeah. I think, and it's like, if he's going to be the one who's like, uh, put an homage to Kobe Bryant and like talking about like wanting to emulate him. The thing that made Kobe special was his just like crazy work ethic and desire to get that much better. Now, Kobe obviously lost in the 2008 finals. I think it's the only one he, Oh no, they lost to the Pistons, right? That's none of the sides point. Tatum does need to kind of try to figure out like how to get better and how not to get shut down. The thing that was interesting to this game is like, you mentioned how good he was shooting from three in this series. I think he only had four three point attempts in the game six, which was yeah the the three pointer he passed up in the corner was like oh man that was the one he traveled oh, on gonna, where he like had people the open are gonna shot. remember that one yeah people are gonna remember that one he was like Kelly Olynyk pump faking out of a three yeah it definitely felt like he was like he was just shook or in the moment just knew. Like that, he didn't have it. Um, he's short armed, like alligator arms, uh, some jumpers in the first half. Um, and the Celtics, I guess, if you want to give them some credit, they they played them way like it wasn't a complete blowout. They played their way back into the game. I think getting it to eight points at one point, and they just didn't. You could just tell they didn't have the juice. Like they're they were missing some layups. They were like the Warriors we're kind of giving them every opportunity to kind of get back into the game. And there's just nothing crisp about the Celtics execution from Tatum. Um, but then it looked like the Celtics didn't know what the hell they were doing when it like wasn't Tatum attacking other than really Jalen Brown. Like they did have some they opportunities. Were just freaking out. They, they were just yeah, freaking they out. They completely just panicked and they didn't really like I thought they had some good moments in getting stops uh, against the Warriors in the fourth quarter, but they just could not string together a positive play, like four positive plays in a row. Like they, they did get cut it to eight, but at no point did you really think like, oh, the Celtics are going to uh, really have a chance in this game. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Draymond Green hit a big three after they cut it to eight because the building was ridiculously loud at that point. Like just deafening. And I do feel like at that point, when the Celtics cut it to eight, like, I don't want to say they were in rhythm because that's probably a little too much, but but they were at least getting some decent opportunities. And, and then Draymond hit the three from the corner to kind of stem the tide just a little bit. And, and I, I just feel like, the Celtics inexperience showed and it was it was the battle they fought all season you know they were the number one offense after the trade deadline but that was the last thing to come around for them was the offense the trusting your teammates the you know making the right reads when you go to the hoop the all of that and it, I don't think it's natural for Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown all the time and I think when you're playing a great defense and it's not natural for you, then 
then sometimes you can revert to to bad tendencies. And I do feel like the Celtics did that. The, the fourth quarters of games four and game five, when they really could have taken command of the series. Like they, they had chances in both of those games to take command of the series, to give themselves a great chance to win the finals. And and if they'd done that, just executed for one quarter, then we'd be having a much different discussion today. They might be NBA champions today. You know, like that's that's how how much each quarter, each possession weighs at this time of the year. Um, but they they shriveled up in those moments and made bad decisions regularly. And the turnovers, the iffy shots, the forced shots at the rim, like all that stuff added up. And they just weren't able to score against a really great Warriors defense. And like it, it was definitely a, and a, a, kind of everybody failed. You know, <laughs> like you said, like J- Jalen had a b- big game six, but it wasn't like he was making great decisions all the time. It wasn't like he wasn't throwing the ball all around the court and just made like spinning into nowhere. Gary Payton must have stripped him like eight times in a row. Yeah. So I, I, it was kind of a team wide failure. The bench gave them nothing. And we'll have to talk about the bench because I do think, um, the finals, like, I don't know if it changed the way I viewed that group, but it also revealed some things about that group that I think we thought might be issues the whole season. And in the biggest moments, like they were issues. <laughs> and and that's Derek White shooting, Peyton Pritchard's size, um, Grant Williams. He said it today, like they switched and kind of took away my airspace and then I didn't really have a counter. And and it's smart of him to recognize that, but also it's like those are the three guys that the Celtics bring off the bench that are perimeter players. The three guys basically they bring off the bench at all, and and none of them were able to make an impact in any of the last two games, either of the last two games. So, and I don't think it's necessarily that the Celtics need to go out and like find an upgrade. Um but they definitely could use like Derek White taking a step up as a shooter, becoming consistent in, on, in that regard. Like Grant Williams adding a little bit to his game, so he's not just a standstill shooter. Peyton Pritchard coming back, like so that he's more consistent, um, and and they just trust him more because I do think his offense can open up things for the Celtics when he's right. Before we get to more like kind of a, a what the Celtics need to do during the offseason, I just like want to give the Warriors and Steph Curry like some credit again because they're just such a they're better amazing, team man. than the the Heat or the Bucks were. Like the Celtics couldn't rely on their defense alone. And in in the second half, when the Celtics absolutely needed a stop. They just couldn't get one, whether it was isolating Steph Curry onto Horford and Curry just like kind of getting to the rim. Um, but even when they tried to blitz Curry, like Andrew Wiggins made them pay, uh, knocking down a huge corner three. Otto Porter answered both of Al Horford's threes with like threes of his own. It's just the Celtics, I feel like, escaped in the 
uh, Bucks and Heat series just being like, we know they can't score on us in the half court. And so all we have to do is limit turnovers. I mean, the Celtics certainly did not limit turnovers in uh, against the Warriors, especially in the final uh, three games. But it definitely felt like they were playing with a lot more kind of panic and urgency, knowing that like when the Warriors really needed to get a bucket, they they just had an answer. And the Celtics, despite how good their defense was, and they still held the Warriors to not great term uh, in terms of scoring numbers. Um, I think they scored 108 in the first game and didn't match that total for the rest of the series. But when the Celtics really needed stops in this series, it's just Steph is incredible. And just the playmaking around him, the cutting around him, the movement around him is just so hard to stop. And so I think you have to give a lot of credit to the Warriors for being just a complete two-way team, for being the second best defense in the league. And they were phenomenal in the finals but then also just never letting up on offense and never letting the Celtics off the hook. Like it was just like a, it was truly a battle for pretty much the entire uh, finals, except for, you know, like one or one or two quarters there in game one and game three. Yeah. And, and like Curry is just so much to deal with. (laughs) My God. Uh, Like, the the plays that stood out to me probably more than any i mean uh, i don't know if that's true because a lot of plays stood out from Steph Curry like he he put, he put together a lifetime of highlights over the six games but the Celtics tried to switch everything late in game 6 and they were desperate to come back and Al Horford got stuck on Curry Island multiple times. Al Horford, like Al Horford was amazing in switching positions this year. He was able to switch on to Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, John Morant, like just the list goes on. Al Horford was able to hold up. The Celtics were able to hold up when Al Horford was in isolation. He defended more than anyone this whole season, more isolation possessions and was just fantastic in those moments and curry just dusted him like just there was nothing al could do against steph curry in switching and and the Celtics like they were built to switch you know they, they were built to to have five guys who could guard every single position and and steph was so good he took that away and when they did try it, he just dusted them. And and that's incredible because nobody else was able to do that to the Celtics. Like I don't think anyone all season was able to just torture them the way that, that Steph Curry did repeatedly in the NBA Finals. They tried drop covers. They tried, you know, sending two. And it, it doesn't matter. He, he just handled it all. And possession after possession, like just did whatever the Warriors needed to get a good shot on that, and it, it was incredible to watch, just just how he solved everything, and and that's the level that the Celtics need, Tatum and Brown, and especially Tatum, I think, to get to, like you need to be able to solve whatever happens, and you need to be able to get your 
put your team in a situation where they can at least like have a chance to get a pretty good look. Um, and it comes with the rest of the team too. Like every everyone on that team knows to get Steph in the right spots to get Steph. Like they they execute and and find him in those spots, and and get to what they want. And and the Celtics didn't really do that in the series. Um, but yeah, Steph was amazing. Wiggins, Wiggins was like the secondary scoring that he gave them. And the physicality that he drove with, and like that was just really important. On top of making Tatum's life difficult for for six games, and then Clay Thompson, like Clay Thompson, was not playing good defense late in the regular season. He was not playing great defense early in the playoffs. And Clay Thompson is a competitive motherfucker because that dude, by the end of the finals, was guarding his ass off. And him, Draymond, Steph, like people talk about the heart of a champion. It's so cliche, but those dudes are just winners, man. And and they, like Draymond's putting on a show <laughs> with the. With his victory laps, <laughs> he's cracking me up, man. With the he's he's wearing the T-shirt with the the Celtics had the the 18th banner T-shirt, and he wrote "Nope." <laughs> I did not see that. Yeah, you you gotta look at what Draymond's doing. He 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 tweeted "Energy shifted" four times. Um, I think he meant four time, <laughs> four time. <laughs> champions he could have also meant four times they beat the celtics uh but could have been both yeah that man is a master troll on top of being a master defensive player yeah and the the thing that was very impressive to me about the warriors defense is that they switched everything and the celtics just couldn't handle it like they're whether it was wiggins draymond Clay, like they all were uh, solid defenders. Looney, I thought, did a really uh, good job. Gary Payton, um, and like they were able to kind of protect. It's not like Steph was uh, awful, but he was he's like a little bit more vulnerable out there. But they were able to um, just do a good job against him. And like the that's the problem with the Celtics bench is that when they didn't have their starters out there, like there's just there's a place for someone to hide where, whether it be Derek white or Grant Williams or Peyton Pritchard. Uh, and it just makes that kind of that off or that defense just a, a little bit easier um, for the Warriors and the Celtics just didn't seem to have an answer. And you can't play your starters for 48 minutes. Like it, it felt like at halftime, the starters as much as Emi Odoka wanted to, <laughs> As much as he wanted to, also he, but then didn't start Jason Tatum in the start of the fourth quarter when Curry was on the bench and they they had just cut it to 10. I thought that was interesting, but you're right. Like it felt like they needed to play that, like the, all of the starters, but then they were like down by so much that I think he went to Grant because he wanted more shooting out there. There just like, wasn't a good answer for Ime. And I think you just have to like, that you have to give a lot of credit to the Warriors because they just didn't have like a bad lineup out there that they the Celtics could take advantage of. Yeah, and I I feel like that all comes down to execution, right? B- 
because the Warriors, like, they had Jordan Poole out there. They had Gary Payton, who's not a good offensive player. Like, he can do some things in the short roll, whatever, but certainly not someone you have to, like, really pay attention to and guard. They started Draymond Green and Kevon Looney, like, for a few games in the series. And when those two guys are together, like, those are two total non-shooters. Um, so they did have guys you could help off and rotate off and all that. But I just felt like the Warriors attacked the Celtics' weaknesses better than the Celtics did to the Warriors. And and part of that is because Steph makes it so difficult and he makes things so easy for his teammates. Like, I mean, the the way the floor opens up for some of the other Warriors just because of the, the focus on Steph is, is just really, really important. Um, but, like, the Celtics, I just never felt like they thought the game at the same level as the Warriors did during the series. And and that's what it came down to. And they all acknowledged it after the game. Like those dudes were just smarter than us <laughs> and they were executed at a higher level. And, and, and who knows, like maybe that's a curse. The Celtics will always carry. Maybe they will always be the team that doesn't execute enough. Like there's, there's no promise that just because you saw what it looks like when, when it, what it's supposed to look like that you will eventually reach that. Um, but now the Celtics know like as good as they were this season and they could have won a title. Like we say all this, like they, with one better fourth quarter in game four, they probably have already celebrated their NBA championship. Do you really think if they just win game four, then they, I guess they would be up three, one then. Yeah, yeah. Then, then you just gotta like that changes yeah. the whole tenor of the series. I think the Warriors are the only team that ever lost with a three-one lead in the finals, right? I know, but the Warriors were just like so dominant in Game Five and Six. I guess like you, you if you're up three-one, it's like so much easier, and the, the Celtics it, probably play game with five, so much game, more confidence. Yeah, Game Five, Celtics are within one after the third quarter. Like. Again, just one one fourth quarter changes everything, and and so like we talk about this wide gap, and I do. There's clearly a gap between these two teams. The Warriors were obviously the better team, but at the same time, I think Ime Odoka said it. He's like, I thought we had enough, and they probably did, <laughs> but also they they didn't play well enough when it mattered. Um. So, uh, yeah, I I mean, that one has to hurt for the Celtics because I do think, you know, there's there's no promise that they'll be as good next year. Al Horford is 36 already. Can he reach the level again? Because if he can't, that changes a lot. You know, for the most part, uh, Robert Williams' injury late in the season notwithstanding, the Celtics had a really good run of health. Like that was huge for them. They they were not a deep team. They had pretty much everyone healthy for the second half of the season. Um, what if what if that changes? You, you know, like there are 
a number of reasons to look at this and think that, you know, and then on top of that, the East is going to get get better. The The Bucks will get Middleton back. Like, the Celtics could have lost in the second round if Middleton was out there. Who knows? The, the Heat will be back, and they're still going to be really good. They'll probably find some undrafted dude who becomes a fucking starter and and be super deep again. And, you know, I think the Nets are super dangerous. Like, who knows what they do with their supporting cast. Kyrie Irving should be able to play more than half the games. Ben Simmons should play, probably, I think. Who knows? <laughs> but, like, it's hard to get there. And and this was a waste – not a wasted opportunity because there was a lot that went on that the Celtics will, will take from this and, and can build from. And they had a lot of great things happen to them this season. A lot of players made a lot of strides. Emi Odoka was awesome. Brad Stevens proved that he can build a, a a roster that meshes together and has a a knack for finding like guys who are cohesive. At least after he moved on from Dennis Schroeder, but like there's no promise that they'll be as good next year, and and that's why I think it hurts as much as it does for the Celtics. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's clearly very difficult to get to the finals and with how stacked the East is, you have just no guarantees of getting back. Um, I know we're going to talk about this probably for the next two months, but like you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, like the failures of their bench definitely makes it that, seem like they they need some sort of upgrade but they're also pretty limited in what they can do in this offseason they don't have a draft pick they don't have any salary cap to really use i think they can use one of the mid-level exceptions and then they have some trade exceptions but like what first reaction like what kind of type of piece do you think they should try to bring in to kind of supplement this roster uh, so, I mean, that's a tough question. It depends who's available. I, I, I do think that I would want to build on the defensive identity that they had with Marcus Smart at point guard. And, and I would want to find guys who fit that mold, who are big and versatile and can switch and are smart like that would that's the identity to me because with Marcus Smart with Jason Tatum with Jalen Brown with Robert Williams that's your young core you have a chance to have an unbelievable defense and I think that has to be where it starts at the same time you look at this series especially and think they could have used another scorer on the bench and they could have used another shooter, someone to keep the Warriors occupied so they're not like just scrambling off Derek White like like they were able to do and help them wall off the paint. And, and maybe that comes from internal. Like maybe Aaron Neesmith finds the confidence to to unleash his, his three-point shot. His His interview was almost sad today, by the way. Like he was just saying that he needs a mental break. Um, just kind of wondering how his shot went so poorly, and 
how he was he said he was just pressing in games and needs to get his shot back to where it was before he got to the Celtics and it was almost just sad listening to him so but you know there's still a chance that he gets his confidence back and becomes a shooter and he's six six and athletic and can do a lot of things defensively uh and then Sam Hauser is another guy like they the Celtics seem pretty confident about him they seem like they think he has a chance to to maybe make an impact next season um and then Jay, Derek White could it, shoot better. If only we like, knew pick- someone who could possibly give us some insight onto kind of Aaron Neesmith and maybe his development in the offseason. Is there anyone like that you could think of? There certainly mm-hmm. is. Richard D. from South Carolina. How are you doing? Hey, guys. Doing good. You know I won't let you end the season without without getting a, a little uh, summary. I, Jay, I didn't, I didn't hear his uh, – his interview that um it, it, um it bothers me that Aaron's beating himself up over that, but um you know as we all know, people that make excuses, you know that it wasn't their fault, they never get any better. So I would you know I hate that he's feeling that way right the second, but I'll also know that that turns into piss and vinegar, and he'll work in the off season to, to try to get it back. I did talk to Chris the other day, and by the way, in your chat room is a Justin kid, I think, is a Milwaukee fan. I talked to Chris yesterday, and, uh, and by the way, I talked to Chris Middleton for all, the for all the listeners. Yeah, and so I talked to Chris, and um, and he like going into two games. Little little B's going to get a ring. Like he thought, Aaron. He really yeah. thought the Celtics yeah. had it. He really felt good about the chances, and and I think um, so. You know, I, I don't know. Um, but he's going to get Aaron. Uh, he's going to get Aaron. They're going to work. They'll be fine. He's going to. He's going. He's, Aaron's going to come back with a ton of confidence. Um, but um, and sometimes you just need a you need need a reset. You know, sometimes after a tough season, like you just need a reset, and and that's what it takes sometimes. And especially for a young guy, like it was a hard season. It was a hard season, and and the Celtics had a set rotation. Yep. I want to talk about the whole um, – specifically on a game. Like, look, from the start of the season, we were talking about, you know, like people saying trade one of the Jays or both of the Jays or whatever. Then middle, uh, it was – I think they played great. They played incredible. I, I really I really thought they were going to win it. I really did, and I think everyone on this call probably did. Uh, uh, so it's still shocking and surprising, which is why it hurts. You don't feel great about second because – I really think that they had it, but and I'm not questioning the coach. I think he did an incredible job. I can almost say coach of the year job. So, but I don't understand. Like the one thing Grant Williams brings you is like what I like is when you're coaching. It's like a chess game, and you got a mouth of the south and Draymond Green. And the only time I've seen this year anybody match that energy and shut him up is Grant Williams. Like, I don't think anyone would mind if they both got technicals and got thrown out. Let the two of them spark WWE in the corner. I didn't like <laughs> – I, I didn't like um, – I felt like we were getting crushed at the rim when we had the two bigs in, like Horford and and, and obviously Robert Williams is hurt, but I, I think we got crushed when the two of them were in there together in the paint on rebounding and, and them scoring at the rim and giving up dunks on rotation. So – 
I, I hate it. I felt like strategically it should have been, you know, you brought the old guy in for a reason. He did miracles in game one. Ride and die. Like, you know what I mean? Robert Williams got plenty of time. Grant's got a lot of time. I, I think, you know, you got to watch his minutes, but I, I didn't like the two of them at the same time against, that's the last thing I'll say, against the team that was built with a with a with really a flex four as a center to beat teams that had two bigs. Like to me, I, I don't understand why you would go in there and set up the kind of roster that they Golden State was set up to build teams that wanted to play too big. So I don't know. To me, maybe I'm wrong. I just felt like when you played those two together, we lost ground every time. Yeah, I, I, I still – I'm not sure if that's true. I'm checking the stats right now, but I feel like the Celtics actually got off to pretty good starts in a number of the games. Um, and, like, game six, they were up 12-2. The I, – I feel like the, game four, was it? Game game three, they, after the Warriors switched their starting lineup, the, the Celtics had a great, great start. Uh, so, I, I – I do think that maybe it was better than than you think. Um, I I think the other part of this, and and Emi Odoka said it. I thought this was maybe the most interesting thing he said the entire series was that when they were considering switching the lineup, and he made it sound like they they definitely at least considered splitting up Robert Williams and Al Horford in the starting lineup. So one of the reasons they didn't was because they're thinking bigger picture and thinking of the future. And I just thought that was really interesting because it's a finals. Like, What does that even this, mean? Like Rob Williams development? Like, I don't get that. Yeah, no, I, I, I think basically he wanted Robert Williams and Al Horford and Robert Williams specifically to be able to to figure it out how to how to attack a team like that defensively when you have two bigs on the court. And I, I think he believes that the Celtics can differentiate themselves because Robert Williams is a freak and he's the the rare center who can stay on the court against any type of team and and partially because of that partially because Marcus Smart can play point guard partially because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown are big and long and strong and everything else. They have a chance to have a huge defense, but that it's only huge if if you can also continue playing that way in the biggest series. And, and I feel like he wanted Rob to figure some of that stuff out. And and so I do believe that was part of the calculus was not just for you know them to to maximize their chances in this series as, as weird as it sounds i i actually believe him when he said that he's thinking of of the development and what it means to their future and how they're going to problem solve everything um by the way i just looked up the stats those two were plus 6.2 net rating together so and the offense was actually better in those moments somehow although still not fantastic uh, but yeah, so I, I didn't think they were that bad. I think the bigger problem was like Robert Williams was super important 
and and when he was off the court, I thought the Celtics really suffered. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at it now. Like the their the starting lineup was a net rating of uh, plus thirteen. Like that doesn't seem like it was the issue. The second most used lineup that they had, whereas they bring in Derek White for Robert Williams, just was offensively offensive rating of 92 defensive rating of 117 negative 25 net rating like that was their second most used lineup and it just got absolutely torched and so i didn't i didn't think the issue was necessarily the double bigs i think it was the anytime robert williams was not on the court it really felt like the celtics struggled one to protect the rim and just two to get anything going on offense like the horford only lineups were not great. And it felt like the the Celtics, who, as Richard mentioned, like or the much bigger team uh compared to the Warriors, just how many times did they give up offensive rebounds uh and felt like they got buried on the glass? So yeah, I don't necessarily I, think I feel it was like a, that's that's partly Steph too. Like you're just so focused on Steph and scrambling around and everyone's eyes are on him that then Looney just takes advantage or Draymond takes advantage and so I feel like part of that is is just Steph too, like the Steph factor, which is just tough to deal with. Yeah, no, I think they they uh, it's going to be interesting to see what they do moving forward um, and how much they can get out of Al Horford because um, he's just like playing well beyond his age uh, and kind of what the the transition plan is there, but. Um, I'm sure we will talk about it uh, a numerous amount of times over the next two months. And then, yeah, to your point about the the offense, the Celtics were, they scored 109.9 points per 100 possessions with Robert Williams on the court in the finals, 94.7 with him off it. They were plus 6.4 net rating with him on the court, minus 21 with him off it. So he was just hugely important. And I get like he just couldn't play huge minutes because as much as they wanted to, as much as they could see how important he was, he was banged up. He left a number of games, just hobbled. And and they just could not play him huge minutes. And that really hurt them. And honestly, I that's one of the things that, that is going to be that is going to help determine how great they can be in the future is can Robert Williams stay on the court and handle a big minute load and get himself to to be available all the time and i, I don't think it's fair to him cuz he played through a lot like he worked to come back quickly from that meniscus injury he clearly like put the team before himself when he decided to to keep gritting through it during the playoffs no matter how many times he had to leave the court because he was he was hurt um but at the same time like his questionable availability has been a story throughout his career was a story this season and and even impacted them in the finals when he was playing and playing great. So that's like 
that is a huge, huge factor for them moving forward. Like Robert Williams is has become just a game changing talent. He is really a defensive force. <laughs> and he, he changes the game in ways that nobody else does. Like nobody in the entire league can do the stuff that Robert Williams does. He is pretty unique. Like I really don't think there's another center like him who can move his feet like that, who can recover like he does, who can who can guard perimeter guys and and still help in the paint and still get out to like contest shot. It's stupid what he's able to do. Um but he also needs to to be able to stay on the court and and that's like Ime Odoka kind of challenged him after after game six. He was like I told him like thank you for for doing what you did, but also like you need to strengthen up the muscles around the knee. You need to get yourself in the best shape possible and you need to be able to stay on the court. He's he his future is so important to them. Um and I do feel like he's kind of a variable for them because if he could just stay on the court, just stay on the court. He is such a a game changer, a franchise changer. Um man, he he was just incredible in the finals when he was healthy like the games that he had it and you could tell that he had the bounce like wow he really changed things yeah if he we saw him this year i think he averaged 29 minutes a game um but if he can be someone who averages 35 minutes a game and then you know gets up to we saw some games this year where he played over 40 minutes uh, i'm just looking at his game log now like it happened a, a number of times it wasn't regular, but he got in the high 30s a bunch. If he's a type of player, like if they could have done that with him during the the playoffs, I think they would just be that much more dynamic because you mentioned the numbers with him on the court. Like I think he he gave 30 minutes plus in these last three games just because they needed him to, but he clearly was was hobbling out there and it did not look fun for him. But you're right. I think like as he, he raises the ceiling for this team and at, like the more minutes he can play – that that much better the Celtics will be moving forward. All right. I have no idea how this call is going to go. Uh, the ultimate positivity man, uh, Joshua B. Joshua B., are you reeling after uh, the uh, the loss? How are you doing? How are you hanging in there? I am excellent, and I am nowhere close to real. Let me remind you <laughs> what you said at the beginning. By the way, this one isn't written. This one is off the cuff. Let's remind Jay King what he said before the series even started, right? He said the East was going to be a bloodbath, right? I remember. I was there. Just give it to them. Um, and then what happened? Tell me all about Kevin Durant and how great he was. Did he get swept? Or tell me about both the Game 7s that, that we that we won. First against the Bucks with Chris Middleton, without Chris Middleton, and then against the Heat versus Jimmy Butler. And by the way, we made it to Game 6. We will send a postcard to Luka Doncic saying it's great to be in Game 6, and the Warriors can send a postcard to Luka Doncic saying it's great to be in the finals, right? Jason Tatum had a separated shoulder, number one. Robert Williams was coming off of a meniscus injury, number two. And number three, we're in the finals despite being an 11th seed at the, at the turn of the year. We are in the NBA finals. This is a reason for celebration. Did we come up short? Sure. 
But what does that mean, right? We were within one game of a game seven that just last podcast, Jay told me anything could happen. One other thing that Jay King said that really needs to be brought up, right? I love, said, I love how much weight you give to my my opinions and, and statements. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some I'm gonna give you some weight on something you just said, which is that with a healthy Chris Middleton, we don't know what would have happened, right? Here's some here's some news that I had, right? This is something that I've learned in the that I've learned over history, right? Which is that I don't need to imagine what would have happened in the past. I know what happened in the past. There is no other universe other than the one that I live in. And in that universe, there was no Chris Middleton. And we won. And we beat the stupid Milwaukee Bucks. <laughs> and they're done. And it's over. So what will happen next year? Who has any idea? Because we don't know the future. What we do know is we know the past. That is absolutely true. We know the past. We know an Eastern Conference team that just made it through a bloodbath. One player with a separated shoulder. One play, or, or, or a stinger, excuse me. I, I shouldn't have said separated shoulder. A stinger, our best player with a stinger who scored 28 points in game five, but apparently wasn't good enough in game six, who has made the playoffs and gone deep in the playoffs every year since he was a rookie and is now about to be 25. God forbid we give this team literally a year to develop. Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, and who knows? Maybe Ime Udoka will be better when he's not a rookie. Maybe Ine Udoka just might learn some things in his second year of being a head coach as opposed to his first year. A first year in which he made the finals, the NBA finals. Where's the statistic about how many rookie head coaches make it to the finals in their first year of head coaches? I haven't heard anybody bring that up. It's because the Celtics lost. And I get it. I get it that it's a little bit of a sad day. But there is so much to celebrate. Robert Williams is going to get to live the rest of his life saying, look, man, I, I, I gave up my meniscus so that I could be part of this incredible run. Derek White is going to get to tell his son every day as his son grows up, look, man, I mean, it, it was hard. We lost that game six. But fuck, if I didn't do everything I could to get my team through the Miami Heat. And next year, right, when everybody's busy talking to us about, like, what the Celtics can do to improve without their little cap space, right? God forbid Oh no, do we lost Joshua B? Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. That wasn't even us. That wasn't even us cutting Joshua B off. I did like that he um, rejected the idea of parallel universes. Um, so officially, from Joshua B's mouth to yours, there's only one universe. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's largely right that you have to give the Celtics credit for what they were able to accomplish this year and the turnaround that they had coming from 11th place making it to the finals. It's certainly not something uh, anyone saw coming. It was uh, an insane, insane run that they put together. Like, they they went from middle of January just regularly blowing 20-point leads, regularly having just disgusting losses. Ime Odoka basically <laughs> calling guys selfish and <laughs> saying... Like just outwardly in the media, um, and then they just started beating the shit out of teams. <laughs> At first, it was bad teams, and Al Horford said, "It doesn't matter that it's bad teams. Like we have changed, we are playing good basketball." And then they started beating the shit out of good teams, <laughs> and it was like, "Oh, okay, these guys, these guys might have something." And then, then all of a sudden, you look up. And they're in second place in the Eastern Conference, like just three months after being in eleventh, being totally out of the playoff race, basically midway through the season. Then, then they play a team that everyone feared at the time in the Brooklyn Nets, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Those guys had a lot of respect. A, a lot of people around the NBA were looking at the Nets like, that is a dangerous, dangerous first-round team. Celtics swept them. Jason Tatum blocked Kevin Durant's shot at least twice. I don't remember exactly now. That would, seemed like three years ago. <laughs> like Literally three years ago at this point. They go to the Bucks. They need to figure some shit out. The, the first game is just abominable. Milwaukee pressures full court, takes them out of everything they want to do. The Celtics look like shit. They figured it out. They won game six on the road. Jason Tatum was just spectacular. Game seven, they come back home. Grant Williams gets left alone a million fucking times for no fucking reason, even though he's a great shooter at this point of his career. Celtics steamroll the Bucks in game seven. Ime says... 
Giannis got tired, and Giannis probably did. He had to do a whole fucking lot in that series. Uh, then the Heat series, it was like back to the beginning, back to figuring out how to play basketball all over again. The third quarter of was that? Yeah, third quarter of game one was thirty nine to fourteen. Was it? <laughs> Jimmy Butler just fucking trounced them. He fucking stole every pass. Fucking went in, went in for wide open layups. Like just just looked like he was gonna absolutely just mutilate them. The Celtics survive it. They they win in seven in Miami. They and don't collapse. Really, they don't. They avoid what would have been the worst collapse of all time. <laughs> well, they did collapse, but but Jimmy. But they didn't shot. completely collapse. <laughs> and and like even throughout the playoffs, you could tell the Celtics were just kind of still figuring things out. Like how how do, how do they want to attack the the Milwaukee defense, which just takes away the paint and has their puts puts a lot on their perimeter players to navigate screens and all that. They eventually figured it out. The Heat, totally different challenge. Like, just big, tough, fucking motherfuckers everywhere over the court. Eventually, the Celtics figured it out. Game seven, they controlled basically the whole thing until the last two minutes. And then the finals, it's like they were up 2-1. They had a chance to go up 3-1. It was an incredible, incredible run. Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown figured out so damn much together to help lift up their teammates around them. And the Celtics figured out so much about how to build a team around those guys. They, I mean, this season has been, so, it's been such a long season. Like Dennis Schroeder and Ennis Freedom were on the team at the beginning of the goddamn season. And in the, I guess Ennis wasn't in the rotation, but Dennis Schroeder was playing a whole lot of fucking minutes. And, and so it's been, it's been a wild season. Peyton Pritchard started free balling in Portland at some point in there. Put on like scored sixteen points in the last three minutes, and then Ime Odoka was all pissed at him for taking too many shots down the stretch. <laughs> and then Peyton Pritchard was pissed right back, like, "What the fuck do you want me to do, pal?" <laughs> like, basically, he didn't say it. that wasn't his exact quote, but something like that. It was, I mean, just a crazy season, a crazy, crazy surge for the Celtics. And and there's a lot to build from. And now the challenge is actually building from that and and turning that defense, that incredible defense, turning the formula that they found with smart at point guard and and Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown making plays for others and trusting everybody and, and turning that into an actual championship rather than just, man, they were close. But yeah, I mean, hell of a season. <laughs> hell of a season and, and so unexpected if you would have told me in january that i was gonna be covering the fucking finals i would have i would have slapped the taste out of your lion <laughs> I, or you would have thought you got like promoted to national nba writer like you did not think there was going to be the celtics yeah i would but they they had a hell of a run and and now they're young and they've got some more stuff to figure out but clearly clearly the future is bright Clearly, they would, have a chance to be in the mix for a long time to come, as long as they continue to handle everything that they need to handle. I would contend that they had, out of all the teams, the second best season in the NBA this year. I would—that's that's <laughs> what I'm willing to say right now. 
But also, I think they were the second best team. I would also concur with that. Maybe the Suns. Although they, maybe they, the they, Suns, the way, but the Suns the way failed. They screeched to a halt against against the the Mavericks was just eh. And I know Josh doesn't like parallel universes, but the Bucks might have been fucking better too if they had been healthy. You can't but go yeah, back. The, the, the past Celtics, is the past, Jay. The past the is Celtics, the past. But they were deserving contenders. It wasn't a fluke. Like they were deserving contenders. They had a tough path. Even with Middleton hurt, they had a tough path, man. And they figured out a lot on the way, but just couldn't figure out everything. All right, we got Brandon K on the line. Brandon, thanks for joining us here on Anything's Potable. How are you doing? A little, a bit. little bit. Oh, sweet. Uh, I did not actually expect to be on the pod, so forgive me. I'm driving. But um, I guess my question for y'all, just taking the entire season into consideration, you know, like uh, – like Jay was saying earlier, we had Dennis Schroeder earlier in the season and just seeing all the roster moves that were made and how much better the team got. What are some other moves you think that can be made in the offseason? Some minor tweaks because it seems like we're we're really close, but it feels like we need like a different point guard. But I also don't think we should get rid of Marcus Smart. Maybe if he goes into the film room with Chris Paul or something, I don't know. Like, what are some some tweaks you guys think that can be made to improve the roster and maybe ensure that we don't collapse and that guys are getting better shots down the stretch and in clutch time and things like that? Because the team's been kind of really bad in close games the whole year, and we've kind of seen it, especially now in the finals. Well, stay safe Uh, on the road. Yeah, I I think the the bad and close game thing – is probably overblown at this. Like they were really bad in close games at the start of the season when they were just pretty bad in general. <laughs> so I'm not going to hold that against them. Like they just didn't play crunch time games over the second half of the season because they were just kicking the crap out of teams. Um, they were, I mean, game six against Milwaukee, Bucks pull within four. Tatum has every answer. Game seven in Miami, like, Jimmy Butler and the Heat made it close down the stretch, but fourth quarter, the Celtics just fucking fended off every charge and until kind of going into prevent mode in the last couple minutes, just really outplayed the Heat in every high leverage moment in that game. So even like game one of, of the finals, they were down 12 and just, kick the shit out of the Warriors the rest of the way. So I don't think it's like a a character flaw of the team. I do think that the way they're constructed with Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown making the plays, I just think those guys together collectively have to be smarter. And I, I don't think they necessarily have to go out and get a a different type of of player a different type of point guard i actually think like moving marcus smart to shooting guard would again like just change the defense and and make you a little less effective on that end and i just think it's it's internal improvement from tatum from brown from smart just learning how to figure all that stuff out and staying composed in 
the biggest moments. That to me is what's most important. And, and like, like that is obviously the, the challenge for the Celtics, but also like it, it's, it's right to keep in mind they were really close to winning the finals. <laughs> and so they don't need like huge, huge changes. They just need to be smarter in certain moments. Um, what, what kind of free agent do you want them to go after Packard? Like, or, or with the trade exception, like what, what type of addition would you want them to acquire? I was just trying to think about this. Like, so they, they really are limited by who's available for the mid-level exception. I think they will be taxpayer mid-level uh, because of Horford's contract, but don't. But they have a $17 million trade exception. That is true from Evan Fournier. So they can acquire some salary via the trade exception. I'm trying to think about it. Like the bench, clearly you want them to be more impactful. Um, and ideally you want someone who can shoot but you can't just like bring in someone who's only a shooter. You need someone who is not a defensive liability. And so like a very solid three and D guy. I mean, if I don't know who's out there in the PJ Tucker mold, but it's like, it feels like someone like that. But I also feel like that's what Grant Williams can be. If he gets Would better, like an year. auto Porter type do it. Yeah. For it's, you? it's like someone with like a, a, like, I think it's just like someone on the wing who can knock down threes and is not a defensive liability. I think, but like the problem is everyone in the league is looking for a versatile defender who can play like knockdown threes. Like that is the, what every single uh, organization should be looking for. So I don't know if there's like a necessarily uh, an obvious answer out there, but like that feels like what this team needs. I don't know if the team necessarily needs to add uh, another player I, I feel like it's just like it's important for all of the main guys to to get better in the offseason and come back and be better i think that yeah. that's going to be the most important thing for them it's not necessarily changing the formula of what they have it's just coming back and being better than they were this year and i think ime as much of a, a hardo ime is i think like this loss really hurt for the boston celtics and ime is going to make sure that they turn that hurt into working their asses off in the off season. Like that's just feels like in his personality and he has experience like being on that 2013 uh, Spurs staff of like taking a, a, a brutal finals loss and like making that turn into focus to, to get better for the next year. Yeah. I, I think, you know, we can talk about the shooting of Derek white and how that was an issue at times. And the, the lack of depth, and I do think they need to add like more guys who can play minutes because I do think that the amount of minutes that Tatum and Brown had to play, and that basically the whole core had to play, just that just adds up. Um, and the Celtics were fortunate, like I said, over the second half of the season to be pretty healthy, but you can't have like just eight or nine guys you're comfortable with playing for an entire season, <laughs> you just they need to they need to find guys deeper in their bench who can play minutes. Um, and I don't know that like Luke Cornett, Nick Stauskas, Malik Fitz, uh, all those guys are the right answer. I don't know that they're not, um, but I'm I'm just not sure on that. I I also think as as much as we're gonna 
discuss what type of player they should add and yada, 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 what their bench needs. The biggest glaring weakness for the Celtics in the finals was that Stephen Curry was miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles and miles better than the second best player in the series. It wasn't even remotely close. And so Tatum needs to close that gap. Tatum needs to be able to figure out defenses at the highest level. And Brown needs to do a better job of taking care of the ball and 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 not getting too eager to make plays. And and so like that that to me is is the biggest thing that they need to address. It's it's not necessarily like who do you go out and get. It's how do the guys that are already there take the next step to become champions? And I feel like you have to you like have to have faith in what they've done, especially Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, because it feels like every year since they've been in the league, they've added something to their game and have gotten better. And they are guys who put a lot of work into their games and who, who do kind of improve from year to year. Some would say they um, adopt the Japanese principle of Kaizen, of continuous improvement, always improving. And so I do think they're capable of doing that, but I agree with you. I think that is definitely the most important thing for the Celtics heading in the offseason. All right, we've been going on for a while, so we're going to finish it out here with a last call from John O. John O, how's it going? Good, guys. How are you doing? Doing great, baby. Doing great, baby. Yeah, I wanted to continue on that Joshua Hopkins train and end up this, pod, um, this podcast. So I was going to ask you guys, what was your favorite story of mine in the Celtics? For me personally, it's been great. Because prior to the season, people thought, uh, people were saying that he was like a Gershon Yabusale or a Shemi Oshule, where they might have like one good game in the playoffs, but not for anything. But after this season, can you get closer to the mic? mic? I, can't really I can't really hear you. Um, can you hear me better now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so you want me to just repeat the whole thing? Yes, please. Yes, yes please. please. Um, uh, I wanted to start the positivity train. Wait, uh, I want to continue the okay. positivity okay. train. Okay, 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 positivity train. Um, my and so my question is, what was your guys' favorite um storyline from this season for the Celtics? For me personally, it was that Grant Williams becoming a rotational player. Because prior, people thought he was going to be like a Shemi Ojale, Like He might have like a good game, but not. But after this season, I think people realize that he could be a good rotational player for any team. Well, it's a, it's like a that. solid Packer, question. what you got? My first reaction was like how good they played when Marcus Smart became the point guard. Because I feel like there's so much question in all the years. Like, oh, they need a true point guard. They need a real point guard. And then it was he came back from injury and they just absolutely started stomping teams. And so I liked the, him just being able to like, kind of like show what he can do with the basketball. Because I've always think he's been like the Celtics. He's been a very underrated passer. He's had the vision. Um, and I think he's just been very solid on that, in, that end. So I think him getting his respect uh, in that regard was probably the thing that, that first popped into my head. 
Yeah, I, I just think Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown deciding to figure it out. Like those guys have been through a lot. They they had the Kyrie year together when shit was just weird and bad. <laughs> and and then they had the five hundred season last year. And then they had Smart call out Tatum and Brown early this season and they got to January and they were 18 and 21 and Kendrick Perkins was out there saying that the Celtics needed to split up Tatum and Brown and 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 there were legitimate conversations about could those guys play together could they win together and all that shit could have driven those guys apart it could have made those guys dislike each other it could have gotten them to say you know what fuck this <laughs> like like maybe these guys are right and instead they just buckled down they figured it out they learned how to lift each other up and make each other better and the transformation for those guys is going to pay lasting dividends like that is not something that just fades after one season the ability to lift up guys and and trust teammates and all that like that's the most important thing to come out of this whole season is that those guys figured it out together learned how to become better all-around players more selfless players and i don't think they were self like they weren't trying to to be out for themselves that those guys have always been about the right stuff. They've always wanted to do the right things. It was just learning how to do it. And and they just committed to it. And that, to me, was the most impressive part. That was the most important part. And, and with those three guys and Robert Williams as the young core, the Celtics just have a lot going for them. And, and they're going to be tough to beat for a long time. Because the lessons that they learned this season, I think those are like forever lessons. Like those, those are lessons that that allow you to to pick up the guys around you, no matter what type of team you had. And I do think this was like a pretty complete team. Like the the bench, as bad as they were the last couple of games in the finals, like those were all two way players, like a really well constructed roster, um, and. And there, there, it won't always be such a deep, a rotation full of of good players. I don't want to say deep because they were only like eight or nine deep, but those guys were all good. Um, but to me, like it started at the top, and and those guys just figuring it out when they could have splintered was was just really, really, really impressive. Yeah, I think the 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 best storyline for the Celtics is like the overall season, the crazy turnaround. And you're just not knowing really at the at like the end of the regular season, like whether or not it was legit, and just their ability to to fight through, just dealing with Giannis, dealing with the the losses, dealing with their own kind of bad performances with the turnovers, and like answering the call uh, every single time. It makes like the the finals that much more disappointing, just because they had answered every single time, but like. The turnaround and just the the end of the regular season going into the playoffs and game six in Milwaukee and 
basically every single time where you thought this team might be done, they generally answered. And so, uh, hell of a ride, hell of a ride of a season and just wildly unexpected. Um, and it was a, it was a good time. Um, I don't know. We've been talking for, for entirely too long now. I've run out of things to say. I don't have a way to end the podcast. Uh, Jay, I'm, I'm open for any ideas. Is everything potable? Everything is